Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody. It is Sunday. It's kind of a weird weekend. We had a race Friday. We have a race tomorrow. So this podcast will be pretty short. This is Industry Seating, as you know. My name is Jason Thomas, and uh, we're going to go over what we saw a little bit on Friday, do some rapid-fire stuff. want to thank all the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Blenzol Oils, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and new for this week, Pro Glow Wash, which we'll get into a little bit more in depth to introduce you guys to them, and of course, Fly Racing. But as for the race, interesting day. Um, I think it was kind of a, a bounce back for a few guys and then a oh crap for a few more, depending on who you're rooting for and who you're talking about. But in the 250 class, what a day for J-Mart. And we've kind of been wondering where this series was going to go. Because for me personally, I believe, and I, I still believe, that Dylan Ferrandis is the best rider in this class. But that doesn't mean you're always going to win the title. You know, I, I think Adam Cincerello was the best rider in that 250 Supercross series that he tossed away at Las Vegas. He didn't win. So there is something to be said for having to actually execute things. You can't just rely on the fact that you're the best guy. You have to go out and get a decent start. You can't crash on the first lap. And then in the second moto, kind of more of the same. He was hurting a little bit from the first moto, but another bad start put him into a difficult, precarious position, and he wasn't able to get better than third place. So he's kind of been surviving that, like just managing it. And yeah, you know, J-Mart had won two out of the three races, but Dylan still had the red plate. And there was a, a feeling that... You know, Dylan was still the best guy, and J-Mart had things go his way, but it would kind of even out. And then this Redbud race happens, and you're like, well, hold on a second, because now J-Mart just went 1-1. Dylan seems to be under a little bit of pressure here. He might be dealing with a a nagging injury. I'm not going to say anything that's going to keep him out of the race tomorrow, but certainly not ideal. Hit his head, hit his shoulder. And it just feels like things are starting to go J-Mart's way. Now it's going to be a big test tomorrow because we know Spring Creek is right behind that. That's his home track, literally. So if he can go out and rack up another win and put Dylan a little bit deeper in the hole, I think he really might be onto something here. Now I don't know that, you know, Jeremy's got this title. I definitely wouldn't say wrapped up. That's that's crazy talk, but I still would say it's probably 50-50 even with J-Mart having the points lead now. Um, I, I would have said it was a very high percentage chance that Dylan was going to win this title just last Thursday. But I, I, I really do believe it's about 50-50 now. 
when you look at how Jamart's riding, you look at how consistent his starts have been, and he's done this before. He's a previous 250 national champion, so he, he understands the dynamics at play, and I don't really believe he fears anybody in this class, you know, other than maybe Dylan Speed a little bit. But the rest of the guys, I think he he knows he's better than those guys. Like, he, he kind of feels that he has the situation under, under control, and if he can manage through this, especially during Dylan's mistakes – I think that sets him up really nicely to uh, to have a legitimate shot at winning this title when most of us kind of had all handed it to Dylan already. So we'll see how this plays out. You know, it's it's really dangerous making assumptions in this sport because everything can turn on a dime, and that'll be a, a trend we talk about here in the 450s. But the momentum certainly seems to be on J-Mart's side, and that's that's a big deal. In a short series, uh, you're dealing with younger riders, and, and both of these two are what? 26 and 27 talking about Dylan and Jeremy. So they're a little bit more experienced, but 250 class in general historically has very much been about momentum. And um, I would say recent trends versus historical trends seem to be much more important. So let's, uh, let's keep an eye on that. Another note I have here, listen, the monster star Yamahas are ridiculous. Seriously, they, they're out of control how much power they have. And I, I know it's probably incremental differences. Like if you laid them all out, and we would never see this, but if you actually saw the torque and horsepower numbers on paper, I bet it's, you know, a couple of percent. It's not some huge difference, I don't believe. But in practical terms, when you're watching them on the racetrack, it really does make a big difference. You know, when you're watching – the start and you see guys like Ty Masterpool rip that start and they're doing one handers down the, you know, the second straightaway. And then you see him jumping that Oracle's leap when no one else really wants anything to do with it, except for guys like Dylan Ferrandez who are also jumping it. You, you see how the power really plays out. And <laughs> speaking of that, I heard that uh, many of you who obviously watched the race, you saw that bump that they put before Oracle's leap. Well, apparently they knocked it down or partially knocked it down because teams were complaining that only the Monster Star Yamahas could jump that jump. So I guess that's just where we're at. This is 2020, and if things aren't fair, if anybody has an advantage, something has to be done about it. So I I hate that. I hate that way of thinking where if the whoops are too big and and certain riders are too good in them, we knock them down. Or if one bike's too fast and only those guys can do the jump, then we got to knock it down. I don't like that. I I don't like – the participation ribbon, you know, theory or, or just the change that's kind of gone on in the world. I, I think you should be rewarded if you, if your motorcycle is better and you've worked hard to engineer better parts and a better system that produces more power. Good for you. You should be rewarded. If you have talent or you've worked hard on your bike settings to get them really good in the whoops and you have an advantage there, you should be rewarded. And that's really consistent across a lot of different concepts but I just don't like the fact that things get changed to make everything equal and to make things even. And, you know, you don't really get an edge. Even if you're better, you don't get to have an edge because the world thinks that everybody should be rewarded for mediocrity. I just, I don't agree with that. So anyway, we'll get back to the racing talk. Don't you kind of guys kind of feel like the 250 classes? Eh, like I wrote eh with like 17 H's in my notes here because the guys are really fast. And I was kind of excited about this class coming in because there were a lot of rookies that I expected more from, you know, the guys like Pierce Brown and Derek Drake, and you just go down the list on each team. 
Um, you know, I really didn't know what to, to think Mitchell Harrison would do. I expected more from McAdoo. He's been okay. Uh, but all these teams have rookie guys that I, I thought maybe would have breakout seasons because you don't really go down the line and see a lot of depth. And they just they kind of haven't done it. You know, Masterpool broke out. That was a really great ride in that first moto. But then the second moto, you see him back in, you know, 12th and 13th battling with Styles Robertson, who was another kid who I thought might break out. So when I say, eh, I'm not trying to put the class down. It's just, I guess, more resulting from my expectations. Maybe I expected too much. And that's just on me if that's the case. But I thought that some of these guys would come up and even Jet. As big as I am on Jed, and I, and I really think he is special, we haven't seen him battle for the lead. You know, he, he has run in the top five consistently, which is great. And at 17 years old, he should be commended for that. But there's a lot of hype around Jet right now. And for those of you who don't get to go to the races and maybe aren't as plugged into the sport, there is a strong, strong narrative around Jet being kind of the next thing, right? He's going to win multiple titles and on both classes and yada, yada, which all could be true. Uh, but to see that happen right now, I mean, you're, you're talking about people comparing him to guys like Stu and Carmichael and you go down the line, Ryan Villapotos and Chad Reeds. That could all happen. As I said, we don't know. He's going to get to decide all of that. But also remember that when those guys came in, they won right away. They weren't running around in fifth. You know, they, they went to the front. And whether they won the moto or not, they led the moto and they set the fastest times in practice and they did all those things, which Jet's not really doing. He is a contender. He can absolutely get on the podium. He hasn't yet, but he can. You know, he got that third at Salt Lake in one of the rounds. But I think I'm still kind of in a wait and see. I'm in a very optimistic wait and see. Um, but, but I honestly thought he would be a steady podium guy. So maybe just a little bit better. And, and I, I don't want this to come down as if I am down on jet because I'm absolutely not. I am very, very optimistic about jets future, but I think maybe people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves, right? Because the hype just begets more hype. People start to get, you know, they, they run away with it. And we've seen guys like Stu and these guys come in and just kind of take over the, the titular class. And I don't know that jets going to do that. He will win. I, I do believe he will win in this class, but I don't know that he is, one of the legends of the sport in the making either he could just be a guy that wins races and there's nothing wrong with that (laughs) we should not be condemning people for that um i just think that that story is one to watch and see if if the most optimistic people have to back it down or if they just get to be proven right there's always that option too but more to the point the 250 class is just a little bit boring for me this year i like the battle at the front i like watching all these guys but there hasn't been a lot of drama throughout the top 10 and conversely it's all in the 450 class everything that you could ever want is going on the in the 450 class it is so deep this year it's honestly the deepest i can remember in recent history and part of that is because guys have moved up you've got guys like sexton and cincerillo and these guys moving up and then you have guys that are you know a little longer in the tooth that are still really competitive you know you've got zach osborne who's over 30 You've got Marvin, who's right there. He's, you know, he is 30 or, or close to it, right around there. And then there's this just convergence of youth and experience that are all still battling for dominance. And it's a really great time for the 450 class. And what it really reminds me of is MXGP. 
And some of you, I'm sure, watch MXGP, and probably some don't. That's just the world we live in, and it's difficult if unless you have the MXGP TV um, subscription to watch and all that stuff, time zones and everything else. But the MXGP class in Europe is really deep. I mean, it's it's deeper than the U.S., and I, it pains me to say that because I, for those of you who don't know, I am a big fan of America. I go to motocross the nations every year. So I take a lot of pride in American racing, but I will be the first to tell you that the MXGP class right now is probably the toughest motocross class in the world. And we have a chance to turn that around. I think the, the 450 class at the moment is the best it's been. So that's, that's a reason for optimism that we can raise our level and get back into the mix with those guys. But anyway, it was just an observation I had that the 450 class is great right now. When you have guys like Dean Wilson that are struggling just to get inside the top 10, I think it speaks to the depth of the 450 class right now, which is a good thing. We should all be very thankful for that, for the entertainment factor. And uh, we will dive into a little bit of the, the 450 action here in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about a little bit about the sponsors, and I appreciate all of you listening to these. But Pirelli Tires, guess what? They won MXGP again today. Jeffrey Hurlings with the win. They also have their American interests, guys like Alex Martin, guys like Freddie Norn, guys like Joey Savacci out there pulling hole shots and running top three in points, at least for Alex Martin anyway. If you want to be a part of the Pirelli MX rider support program, go to at Pirelli MX, their Instagram, and in the bio section, there is a link to their rider support program. So you too can get that awesome scoop tire that Pirelli has that almost guarantees a hole shot. So check those guys out. Thank you to Pirelli Tires. I want to talk to you a little bit about the brand new sponsor that I mentioned earlier. It is called ProGlow. I'm really happy to have those guys on board. Now, clean bikes just go faster, and the new ProGlow line of power sports cleaning solutions will get your equipment looking sharp in no time. Try the degreaser for those greasy, grimy surfaces and the power sports wash that can take just about anything off that you can throw at it. I use it, and so should you. I actually used it on my uh, my street bike. Get some of that dirt grime off of there. Use code MOTO15 to get 15% off your order at www.goproglow.com. So thanks to those guys for jumping on board and try their power sports line of products. Also involved, Blenzol, as you know. Now, racers of both two-stroke and four-stroke engines have proven that Gold Label will give you an edge over the competition. It will improve throttle response. It will increase horsepower, RPM, and also lower operating temperatures, all doing those at the same time. So all you guys that are having problems out there, trying to make your bikes faster, but you're overheating and doing all kinds of stupid things, try Blenzol Gold Label. Go to Blenzol.com, learn the appropriate mixtures for your two-stroke or four-stroke, and go to at Blenzol on their Instagram to learn more. Thank you to David over there and the guys. That company's really involved lately. I mean, they've really made a big push in a really difficult year of 2020. So check those guys out and give them your support. I want to thank Worst Connection as well. They have a Labor Day special going on right this second. So go to worstconnection.com. You get 30% off. That's pretty sweet. That's a good deal. You go to at Worst Connection on their Instagram to see what you can do. Get that new tack hour meter for your new bike. Get radiator guards. Get frame guards. Get Pro Launch Start Device. Everything is 30% off. Pump Creek Funding, listen, you guys have heard me tell you guys how to save some money lately. This is just truth. I talk to Zach every week, and he's talking to somebody new because this is easy. This isn't something that I have to try to push on you or you go spend money or whatever. This is only going to save you and make you money in the end. 
federal mortgage rates are super low. It's the first time in my lifetime they've been under 3%. So if you have a house, if you're looking to buy a house, if you're looking to refinance, reach out to Zach at Plum Creek Funding. You can go to his Instagram at Plum Creek Funding. You can call him. His cell phone is 720-212-4685. And just figure out what's best for you. That's the easiest part of this is maybe he says, no, you're in a good place. You don't need to do anything. Or he says, no, we can save you. Like for me, it was $64,000 over the course of my loan that we saved. That's the kind of that's the kind of savings I'm talking about. Premier Vapor Blasting, they were voted number one for your vapor blasting needs. Vapor blasting is the safest method in surface restoration. It does not compromise product integrity like many other traditional methods of restoration do. It is not only safe on rubber items and plastic items, but it's gentle enough to clean radiators without damaging the fins. That's big because you... You can send items that have you have to be gentle on and you're worried about getting messed up if you're trying to get them back into peak condition. Vapor blasting is the way to go for that. 25% off if you mention the Industry Seating Podcast. Ask for Brandon over there and they will get you dialed. You can go to at Premier Vapor Blasting for more information as well. 612 Suspension. We gave away a rebuild a couple weeks ago. That was pretty awesome. If you have anything that has suspension on it, street bike, dirt bike, off-road bike, moped, quad, anything, dual sport, whatever, 612 suspension can help you out and have your bike or UTV or quad or whatever working how it was designed to work. They're a race tech affiliated company. So you know, you're getting the best parts and the best training and the best service in the industry. They can help you with anything related with power sports. I don't think they do anything for jet skis yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. We need to, we need to get a suspended jet ski. But reach out to at 612 suspension. That's SIX, the number one, two suspension.com and at SIX one, two suspension on Instagram and ask for Ronnie and he will get you dialed fast foundry. They're a tech solutions company right now. Business is in a very precarious spot. Startups are struggling. Existing companies are struggling. So you really need to make sure that you are as efficient as you can possibly be. That may mean getting automated. That may mean modernizing equipment, but more important than anything, it's getting your company down to its fighting weight. You've got to be so efficient right now in this coronavirus time. And you, if you watch any sort of business news or probably don't even have to do that, you're looking at your own, your own business condition and you know that you have to be your best self right now. So reach out to Fast Foundry and ask what they can do for you to make sure that we all see 2021 business-wise. That's a big thing. And, and luckily in the power sports industry, things are going pretty well, but that's not the case for most of the world right now. Everyone's just trying to get by, especially if you're in any, any sort of service or hospitality industry. Things are about as bad as they can possibly get. So we all need to be as efficient and as good as we possibly can in every aspect, and that's what Fast Foundry specializes in. They have decades of experience. They've worked with Fortune 500 companies. They've worked with startups. They have a, a lot of experience with different levels of companies. So whatever your situation is, they can adapt to your personal needs. Go to fastfoundry.com, ask for Robert, and see what they can do for you today. Last but not least is Fly Racing. 2021 stuff is out. New Formula Helmet. We have that Formula CC as well. That gets the cost down a little bit in the carbon composite version. Go to formula.flyracing.com to learn more about the, the tech that's in, inside that helmet, the Rion, Conehead EPS. That's all part of the adaptive impact system. 
a lot going on there to absorb and learn and see how that helmet can keep you safer than the competition. And if you want to just look awesome, go to flyracing.com and see all the new colors, styles, and looks for 2021. Thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to all for listening to those sponsors too. And if you have an opportunity to support them, please do. And if you have questions about any of those sponsors too, or want to get connected or just get a little bit more in depth, hey, that's what I'm here for. Reach out to me, direct message me, email me, jason36.com. You can Instagram me at my personal Instagram or at the industry seating Instagram as well. Now, racing wise, kind of touched on some of this stuff, um, but we'll get just rapid fire, right? That's kind of what I want to do with these shorter podcasts. J-Mart wins. I like where this is going as I, I kind of hit on that earlier, but um, he's, he's kind of killing it right now. Like he's doing everything he can possibly do to, uh, to tilt the, the scales in his favor. Dylan's definitely helping the storylines. He's adding drama to what would otherwise be a boring series, in my opinion. So thank you to him. If anyone was uh, writing a script for this series, they would be very happy with what Dylan's offering because the best guy is is really kind of messing things up and adding drama all the way down the stretch. So well, that'll be the, the one thing to watch is how the championship plays out. Um, I don't think we're going to get a lot of uh, – a lot of talking points on, you know, like five through 15. So, um, four fifty class, I'm just going to go straight to it. Zach Osborne. What more can you ask for from the guy? Whole shots goes one, one, let every lap. That's how you draw it up. And I think there were a lot of people wondering how this was going to go after a rough Ironman day. And I, and I was one of them. I'll be the first to be admitting that, you know, I talked to Zach a lot. We text a lot. And he obviously is sponsored by Fly Racing, so I'm biased. But I was a little nervous for him. You look at the field behind him, you know what Eli Tomac's capable of and the three titles in a row that he's carrying into the series. And and I think there was a, a fair reason to be nervous. But, man, he kind of put that to rest. And we have a lot of racing to go. You know, we're not even halfway. But that was a pretty strong day. And if you're trying to silence the critics – and you're trying to put the confidence back and momentum back in your corner, I don't know how much more you could do about it than that. So congrats to Zacho, well-earned. But guess what? you got to do it again tomorrow. So that's the tough part about racing is <laughs> great job, but you got to put that behind you right away and focus on the next one because the whole story could change again tomorrow if things don't go well. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was a great ride and great job by Zacho. Marvin – Great ride in the first one. I actually thought he might go up and catch Zach and pass him a few times in the first moto, but it wasn't meant to be. Wasn't able to really reel Zach in. Zach kind of managed him the whole time. And then the second moto was more of the Ironman second moto struggle. And it just looks like he doesn't have that little extra bit for the second moto. He's not terrible, but his fitness just isn't quite there yet. And, you know, that's just indicative of a long way off and and a lot of time off the bike and it's just that last little bit that he's he's missing and it's hurting him in the points you know he's what 26 back i believe in this in the championship now it's not something he can't overcome but he's got to win that's the thing that's not happening right now is you know he won that first moto in ironman he's got to back that up you know and he gets a second in the first moto red button he's got to back that up he's got to come out in that second moto and put down a win to really stamp the day and change how people are viewing him because right now I don't think they're taking him seriously because I think he has a hole in his game with the fitness in the second moto. So we'll see how that plays out after a really quick turnaround. 
if he is down on fitness a tiny bit, which I, I don't know, we're, we're on our way to confirming that. I think that will show up on a Monday with two, only two days to recover. And, you know, he was su- looked to be suffering a little bit in that second 450 moto. It's going to be tough to have your best self on a shorter recovery week than really we've ever seen for, for Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So something to watch for there. Now, Eli really put himself in a bad spot. You know, he had the momentum starting to turn. He goes 2-1 at Ironman. Great day. You kind of think things are looking up a little bit, and maybe this championship's not quite over. You know, he cut it from 40 to, to 27. Then he has a bad day. And not horrible, but what do you go, like 5-4 or something like that? Takes the points lead to back over 40. The momentum that he had built that was all going his way is now kind of gone. You know, I don't. I didn't hear anybody really talking positively about Eli leaving the track on Friday. None of our podcasts, none of the tweet, you know, nothing on social media. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, oh my God, what happened to Eli? It was just kind of like the air got let out a little bit. So he's going to need to go out and win. I don't know how else to put it. He has to go out and win on Monday. And he, he certainly can. I mean, I don't think anybody listening to this nor anybody at the race or watching the race would be shocked for Eli to go 1-1. He's done it so many times, and we've seen such a high level from him over the years. We almost kind of expect it, and I don't think that's really fair to him. But if he wants any realistic shot at winning this championship, that's that's what's needed. There really isn't any other answer for it than that. You know, he needs help from Zach's end. He needs some tough motos for Osborne, and he needs to win himself. Now, one of those two things he can control. The other he can't. But I think if you if he got on a hot streak and just reeled off a bunch of moto wins, this championship would look a lot different very quickly. And if you're him, that's really all you can do. You can't worry about what Zach Osborne does. You can't worry about what Marvin does. You have to worry about what you do. And going out and getting fourth and fifth in your motos, it's not going to get it done. That's, that's not good enough, especially when you're a three-time defending champ, especially when everybody considers you, quote-unquote, the best guy, fourth and fifth, on, you know, at the midpoint of the series, when you've got to be pouring it on, that's just not good enough. So we'll see what Monday brings and uh, see how he, if and when he can turn this thing around. Now Sexton's next up on my notes, and really, you know, all I have is Sexton's a real deal. You know, he gets second overall. He rides great. I don't know if he's ready to win a moto yet, but I wouldn't put it past him. I think he's certainly capable of leading. It's just maybe the very end of the moto might be tough to hold off a, a hard charger at one of the experienced veteran guys. But I love the way his career is progressing. You look at how much better of a rider he is in 2020 versus the rider he was in 2019, and I think that bodes very well for him because his style and his fitness level and his commitment and all the things that you would need to be a very successful 450 rider, he has them all. He has the skill set. He has the equipment. He's on, you know, factory HRC Honda, you know, and they're, I think they're committed to him long-term. I cannot imagine they would let him go anywhere. So uh, I'm, I'm very big on Chase Sexton and where his, uh, his future is headed. Now, do I think he's going to be a multi-time champion and all that stuff? No, I don't know. You know, that's rare air for anybody, but I think he's going to be a podium level 450 guy for a very long time to come. Adam Cincerillo, he's kind of in that same breath. You know, he's been around a little bit longer than, than Sexton has, you know, they're both in their first 450 outdoor championship, but you look at AC, he was your 250 national champion last year. 
He almost won his first ever Supercross at Anaheim. He did win the Monster Cup in his first 450 indoor race. But they're really kind of in the same place in their career where they're trying to make headway in this really difficult 450 class. But they also have the same situation with their team. You know, I can't imagine that Monster Kawasaki is going to let AC go anywhere. You know, I think he is in their long-term plans, probably along with Austin Forkner. And then, you know, Eli Tomac's in the mid mid to short term because I, I don't think Eli will stick around too much longer. But AC is – he's kind of the future of the sport, and, and I don't have any hesitation in saying that. You know, he has all of the tools that Chase Sexton has and maybe just a touch more. Maybe he has a touch more speed. He has a little bit more of that dynamic side to him. But he also has a little bit more tendency to crash too. So you got to take the good with the bad with AC. But, damn, he's entertaining to watch. You see him and Barsha just going at it in that second moto. So entertaining. And I was just praying that Barsha wasn't going to hurt AC because – the last thing AC needs right now is another injury. So great job by both of those guys. And um, I loved it. I love to watch AC race. I think he brings a lot to the sport, both on and off the track. Now, Barsha, <laughs> those of you who listen to my Patreon podcast, that's on race mornings, which I will be doing one of those tomorrow morning. So if you want to, if you want to sign up for that, it's patreon.com slash industry seating. It's P A T R E O N.com slash industry seating. And that's a, uh, a race morning podcast, kind of where I talk about what I think is going to happen, has some fantasy and advice, weather, all that good stuff. But I was talking about Barsha. You know, everybody had him locked to go to Gas Gas. It was almost a done deal. You know, they had made an offer. I think it was really the only good offer he had. Everything was lined up for him to go to be the Gas Gas mainstay. And then Yamaha, Yamaha comes in at the 11th hour, and now he's staying at Yamaha. So, Everything was going one direction and then instantly and immediately turned back the other way and he will be at Monster Yamaha next year. Now, whether that's Monster Star Yamaha, I cannot answer you. That's still being worked out. But I don't really blame Yamaha. You know, if you can keep a guy that's capable of winning, I'm sure they have the help of Yamaha and, you know, Yamaha Corporate and Monster making that happen because, you know, if he goes to Gas Gas, it's probably going to be a Red Bull effort. I can almost say that with a certainty. So it really comes down to monster versus Red Bull at that point on some level. And that's going on all across the sport. <laughs> Not every deal, but there are many, many, many deals that where Rockstar, Red Bull or monster are kind of pulling the strings and they are making things happen or not happen behind the scenes. You know, if a guy wants to leave and the team can't keep him, those companies have so much money. Market and, and just marketing resources to throw at guys to keep them. And for Yamaha, they just had to match what Gas Gas was offering. That was the easy part. They didn't have to go offer some crazy number. They just had to match to keep them. And like I said before, keeping a guy that can win seems like a no-brainer. So look for Barsha to stay blue, which I think is probably a very beneficial move for Barsha because he gets to keep his gear deal and helmet deal and goggles and all that stuff, which is worth several hundred thousand dollars that maybe he wouldn't have gotten if he had gone to gas gas. Cause I'm pretty sure that's going to be a, uh, a team gear deal over there. So the most important thing I think for Barsha is sorting out the motorcycle for 2021. We saw how badly he struggles on hard pack tracks with the Yamaha. So whether RV can get that sorted out in testing or they just find a way during the off season, that's got to get better. The Salt Lake run that they had where Barsha just could barely stay inside the top 10 is not going to get it done. And you look at the schedule, we don't know where these series are going to be. We don't know, you know, because 
what I think is going to happen is you're going to get a much smaller city base. I think it's going to be around eight to 10 cities and multiple rounds at those cities. And what happens if you have two or three Glendales and the bike doesn't work well on that track? You're kind of screwed. Like you, you, you could lose big points at three rounds or two rounds at least. Um, so that's, that's a big liability for the Yamaha and for Barsha, as he's kind of told us through, you know, interviews and, and over time that they have to sort out if he really wants to be a contender for any championships next year. Blake Baggett was okay. It wasn't bad. Um, you know, I know he is paid on a level that he should be battling for wins and podiums, and he's not really doing that. So I guess if you could be frustrated on that level, but watching his riding, it's pretty good. Like he moved, he was moving forward at one point. He was putting pressure on the guys in front of him. So I don't think it was terrible by any means, but we haven't seen that breakout Blake Baggett ride that, uh, we all kind of expect at some point either. Now, speaking of the gas gas deal, who's going to end up there. And I've heard everybody associated with gas gas at this point there were riders that are locked into deals that i've heard were going to get they were going to get out of their deal to go there crazy stuff stuff that i can't even talk about because i don't want to implicate people but a lot of crazy stuff was being thrown around and still is um guys like jeremy martin he could end up a gas gas you know barsha seems to be out but mookie i don't know but i know he wants to wear seven and i don't think he would be allowed to do that right so that kind of disqualifies him but it's getting crazy for who could go there. And, and I don't think the option of getting people out of their current contracts to end up there, I don't think that's off the table. So watch for some funny business going on there. A lot of fine print is probably being read through right now to see if there are any ways out of deals to end up over to Gas Gas program. Dino resigned this week. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't love one-year deals. I'm sure Dino wanted more than that. I would bet that Rockstar Husqvarna has some situations arising at the end of next year. Guys like RJ Hampshire, and we'll have to see. But a lot of times when you see a one-year deal done, that means that they have opportunities or questions that they're going to have to answer in between. You know, instead of giving a two-year deal, they can't because at the end of the next year, they have a lot of guys they're going to have to choose from. And that's not to say Dino couldn't be the guy they choose. I think they're just scared to lock themselves in and not be able to make a run at somebody else who really steps up and is also available at the end of next year. So watch for Dino. He needs to have a big year next year because of that one-year deal. Joey Savacci, he's another guy that's going to be, well, I don't want to say looking for a job, but he's he's going to be available. I think JGR Suzuki would probably like to keep him. He's a guy that's been rumored to go to Gas Gas as well. I think those are the two most likely landing spots. You know, he's at JGR now. He needs to he needs to turn up the pace a little bit and get some results so he can drive his his bargaining price up a little bit. But I think if I had to choose where he lands, it's probably one of those two spots, either JGR Suzuki or Factory Gas Gas. That's kind of it for this week. Again, I will do my uh, What to Expect podcast tomorrow morning if you want to check that out. But uh, I'm going to do another industry seating podcast after – tomorrow's race so two zero wednesday look for that and that's why this one's a little bit shorter because i know i'm going to do another one in what two days or something so uh we'll cover everything again what we saw in the monday race thank you to all the sponsors thank you to proglow for coming on brand new love to see the support from the industry and uh yeah talk to you this week see you